Thank you for joining us here at Life Church. It's an honor to share God's word with you today. Our prayer is that you will connect with Jesus Christ as you hear his word online. We'd love to have you visit one of our upcoming gatherings. For more information, visit us online at www.liferva.org or contact our church offices and we'll be happy to help you in any way that we can. Let's go now to one of our recent services where you can experience a life-giving message from God's Word. Well, I want to welcome everybody here to Family Worship Sunday today. It's a day each quarter that our children get to join us and experience our adult worship service. If you wonder when it is, it's always any month that we have five Sundays. It's on that fifth Sunday, and it happens four times a year. So that's our Family Worship Sunday today. And uh, we're thankful that you're here with us today. If you're watching online, thank you for joining us online, either live or during the week. We're glad that you're joining us online as well. Aren't you thankful that we have an online option as well where we can be a part of church? Amen. I got a text from somebody in between services that watched us online, and they mentioned what a blessing the service was for them. I'm thankful that we can. Not all technology is bad. Amen. I'm thankful that we can be blessed and reach more people with the gospel. Turn with me if you have your Bibles to Joshua chapter 24, verse 15. If you're a believer, this is probably a scripture you may be familiar with. And I want to read it today from the uh, New Living Translation. And it says this, But if you refuse to serve the Lord, then choose today whom you will serve. Would you prefer the gods your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates? Or will it be the gods of the Amorites in whose land you now live? Now, the reason I chose this translation of the verse, I love the way this last line is said in the New Living Translation. But as for me and my family, we will serve the Lord. We're all familiar with the, but as for me and my house, but I just love this. As for me and my family, we will serve the Lord. And I want to preach on this subject today since it's Family Worship Sunday. We're going to talk about family. I want to talk about family matters. Family matters. Amen. See, the priorities of life for anyone that is a believer ought to be obviously first and foremost your personal walk with God. But after that comes your family. And we, the family as we know it has certainly been taking a lot of heat lately. Amen. There's people that say the family is obsolete, that it's out of date, that it's irrelevant, that we should forget the traditional idea of the family. It's no use anymore. But I want to tell you today, the family is not finished. Come on. Now, in many cases, it might be fragmented. It might be fragile. The family just needs to be strengthened, and it needs to be affirmed. Amen? Why is the family so important? Well, to get that answer to that question, you really need to go back to the owner's manual, to the beginning of the owner's manual in the book of Genesis, where it says, the Lord God saw it is not good for a man to be alone. And he says, so I'm going to make a helper suitable for him. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife. You see, the family as we know it was God's idea. And when God made Adam, he put him in a perfect environment. No problems, no stress, no difficulties, no job. Amen. 
I mean, everything was perfect, right? But you know what's amazing? Even in that perfect environment, God saw something and said, it's not good for man to be alone. So the Bible says that God made a helpmate for him, made a wife, and then from the wife and the union of husband and wife, they began to have children and they began to raise a family. And by the way, let me just interject this as well. Whether you're married or not, it is not the will of God for any of us to live alone. Amen? God gives us relationships and he gives us community. And by the way, that's part of the reason uh, that the body of Christ is so important. It's an opportunity for us to not live alone, but for us to be connected to one another as a body. So whether you're married or not, you need friendships. You need relationships. So I want to encourage you, don't live your life in isolation because there's a whole lot of good living out there with people that you can align your life with. So if the family matters, how do I give it the intention and the focus that it deserves? Well, a lot of people would answer that a lot of different ways. Some would say it's by working a certain number of hours to provide a certain level of lifestyle. My small group, we just did a study by Andy Stanley, and Andy Stanley said this, though, about that. He said, standard of living does not equal quality of life. Boy, isn't that the truth? How many of you know you can be broke but still be happy? You can be rich and be happy. You can be rich and be miserable. By the way, I'm willing to give that rich thing a try for 30 days. See how that works out, right? Amen. Oh, and by the way, if any of you happen to buy a lottery ticket in the state of Indiana or Illinois, whatever it was, and, you, and God bless you if you're watching online, there's a whole room full of people that would like to be your friend if you won that billion dollars over the weekend. But I'm telling you, riches doesn't do it. Riches doesn't guarantee happiness. Amen. Some people say to focus on the family, you sign your kids up for everything that you can, clubs and athletic teams and the church youth group or the community pool or different school functions, amen. Saying family matters means for some people that I'm going to invest in my marriage by seminars or, or date nights or vacations or quality time or even some marriage counseling, amen. I would submit to you right now that none of those answers are wrong. But all of them have to be applied with a healthy, a healthy dose of balance so that all the things that are needed in the family don't suffer from neglect. Now, there is no, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> no exact model of how your family, uh, how to make your family matter, right? Because all of us are in different seasons. You got to figure that out. Because every family is different. Every family is in a different place in life. But what I'd like to do today, I want to give you just some good practical stuff. Amen. There's no esoteric elevated principles today. There's nothing that you got to get a strong concordance out today for. I just want to help give you some practical stuff about how to make your family matter. Is that all right? Amen. So let me share with you a few ways. Number one, because family matters, you need to make your family a shelter from storms. Make your family a shelter from storms. See, a lot of people think the family is just a bed and breakfast, a, a place where you come at the end of the day and kick off your shoes and eat a meal and maybe retreat to the bedroom or, or to the living room to watch a little TV, go to bed, and then the next morning you wake up and you repeat it all over again. But see, we need to make our families more than that. Families should be a shelter from storms because we all have tough days right? We all get rained on. We all get dumped on. We all go through bad weather at times. There are days 
when things don't work out right. And sometimes days can become weeks, and those weeks can become months, and sometimes those months can become years. A season can last for a long time. You need to make your family a shelter from life's storms. See, we all need a place of protection and a place of peace and a refuge where we can just let down from the storms of life and find protection. Come on, you ought to be able to go home and close the door and feel safe and feel protected from life. And by the way, let me just say this. While I'm talking, if anything that I'm talking about, you're not there yet, that's okay. That's why we're talking about it today, amen? Because you can make a difference now that can make a difference in the months and years to come, amen? So I want to talk to you about some things that we can do to, to maybe make our family become that place. Our family should be our sanctuary. Proverbs 14, 26 says, whoever fears the Lord has a secure fortress, and for their children it will be a refuge. Now, notice where it starts. Safety begins with the covering of the fear of the Lord. That's what the Scripture says. And for children, it becomes a refuge. Amen. And as a parent, your fear of the Lord helps make your home a secure fortress that becomes a place of refuge for your children. Man, there's a lot of different types of storms of life. There's emotional storms. There's physical storms. There's financial storms. There's relational storms. And inevitably, hear me, you're going to probably face all of them at some point. Hopefully not all of them at one time, but all of them at some point. Because we live in a day of rapid change, and we recognize that change, even if it's good change, change can produce stress, right? Job change, living location change, seasons of life changes, and you and your children death or sickness in a family. Uh, it can be stressful when kids go from elementary school to middle school, amen? It can be stressful when they go from middle school to high school or high school to college or if you have a child that's getting married. Man, these seasons of change can be stressful and family needs to be a place of stability, a base, a place that's predictable, a place that you can count on, amen? Storms of change are navigated best when you have a foundation of stability at home. You know another kind of storm that we face in our families? We face storms of failure. Amen? Or is it just my family? (laughs) Come on. Storms of failure. Nobody wins all the time. We all make mistakes. Now, this is not a political statement, but one of the things that Donald Trump, when he was president, said, I can't remember when he was president or when he was running, and it made me laugh. He said, we're going to be winning He said, we're going to win so much you're going to get tired of winning. Amen. I remember when he said that and I laughed because I thought, nobody ever gets tired of winning. Right? We never get tired of winning. But the reality is you can't win all the time. We can't win all the time. Sometimes you fail the test. Sometimes you get fired from the job. Sometimes you get passed over for the promotion. Sometimes you go bankrupt. Sometimes you do something stupid and it messes stuff up. Nobody wins all the time. That's why family needs to be a place of safety from the storms of failure. And sometimes, hear me folks, this is a different sermon, but sometimes you got to own your failure. Sometimes you got to confess your mistakes. Sometimes you got to deal with the consequences. That's what the big boy pants require. (laughs) 
Sometimes we just got to own it, amen? But hear me, after you own it, after you put all the facts on the table, you need your family to stand beside you. Come on, not keep reminding them of their failures, not keep reminding them of their mess-ups. Come on, family needs to be a place of safety for that. Can I get a little help in the house? Amen. Failures don't have to be final. Family can be a shelter from that storm. Need to be a shelter from the storms of change, a shelter from the storms of failure, and also a shelter from the storms of rejection. Come on, this is probably one of the most difficult storms of all that nobody likes to admit. Nobody likes to talk about, but it hurts to be criticized. Come on. It hurts to be attacked. It hurts to be rejected. It hurts to be judged and misunderstood from people who maybe don't know your heart or don't understand your motives. Come on. Some of the most damaging attacks some of you have endured occurred when you were a child, when you were defenseless. And just the thought of that childhood event can bring back the fears and the guilt or the shame or the hurt or the sense of feeling rejected. Some of the rejection that kids have felt comes from other kids. Man, there ain't nobody more ruthless than a bunch of kids. If you don't believe me, go have lunch at a middle school one day. Come on, man. You think criminals are rough? You need to be around a group of middle school girls. Amen? <laughs> Come on, somebody. If you don't believe we're all born with a sinful nature, you just hang out with some kids. And hear me, if kids don't have positive reinforcement at home, everybody say at home. Come on, they're going to tend to believe what all the mean girls say. They're going to tend to believe what they see on social media. You need to make your family a shelter from those kind of storms. Look at what Ecclesiastes 4 and 12 says. Though one, <clears throat> excuse me, may be overpowered by another, two can withstand him, and a threefold cord is not quickly broken. Now, how many adults in the house are honest enough to say that the storms of rejection don't end when you're a teenager? Some of y'all just scared to raise your hands. You think you're going to be, oh, they're going to think I'm weak. They're going to think, no, no, <laughs> come on down. Come on. Now, I'm just going to tell you, in my life, the most painful uh, memories that I have didn't come from when I was a kid. The most painful memories that I have came as an adult. Come on, rejection that I felt from people, rejection that I felt uh, in different seasons of life, amen. I can tell you, it's important that we understand that family needs to be a place of safety, Sometimes pain can come from fellow church members or trusted co-workers or lifelong friends that reject you or malign you or maybe they stab you in the back. Come on, the pain of rejection is very real for adults. We need to admit it so we can know how to deal with it. Amen? That's why family matters. And that's why the home is supposed to be a shelter from storms. Now, while I'm talking, you might be listening and saying, man, my home is not a shelter from storms. My home is the storm. <laughs> oh, hallelujah. Amen. Don't elbow your spouse right now. But some of you, you you're thinking, man, my home, uh, my home is a place that I dread to go to. So how do I turn my home into a shelter? Let me just give you a few practical pieces of advice. Number one, learn how to listen. Start there. You need a listening ear if you're going to build a shelter from storms. You got to have a listening ear when your family hurts and not turn a deaf ear. Now, my wife is the champion in my house for that. 
but I don't get a free pass just because she's good at this. Trying to help somebody, amen. Confession's good for the heart, right? It's also good for the house. Amen. Come on, man. We need to listen too, amen. Listen and hear. Listening goes a long way toward changing the tone of a home. Another way you can do it, learn to love. You say, I already loved. I told him when I got married that I loved him, amen. No, no, no. You got to show it. You got to have physical affection. You got to have lots of it. Come on, pats on the back. Hugs, embraces, kisses, physically show your affection to your family. Come on, hear me. Your kids, I'm not going to dig in this too, too deep because the kids are in the room right now. Your kids need to know what healthy affection is so they can identify what unhealthy affection is. Come on, let me get a little help in this house. It matters. Another way you make your home as a shelter is learn to encourage You need to give hope. You need to speak hope. Pastor Rodney talked about this last week. Your words matter. Amen. You need to speak life into your family. Speak hope. Speak encouragement. Amen. I'm talking about your family matters. Man, they ought to hear praise and love and encouragement. Not tearing one another down, but building each other up. Amen. Lifting people up, especially your family. The family is, first of all, to be a shelter from storms. Here's another Family Matters principle. Family is a place to learn life. Everybody say life. Life. Come on, your house ought to be the ultimate classroom for life and life lessons. We hear a lot about life coaches these days, right? You know, a life coach is somebody that that teaches their clients uh, on things that have to do with career or health or relationships, really kind of all things related to life. But let me tell you that the greatest place to learn things about life should be in your family, should be in your home. You learn things in your family that you never learn anywhere else. In fact, I believe most of your problems as an adult usually come from the fact that there's certain things that we didn't learn right when we were a child. Amen. Home is where you learn the most basic skills of life. You learn how to walk there. You learn how to talk there. You learn how to hold a fork and eat there. Come on. You learn critical life skills like how to access the Wi-Fi. Come on. How to use the remote. Amen. By the way, teenagers and kids know how to work the remotes way better than adults do, right? Amen. Family is a garden for growing people. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 4. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger by the way you treat them. Rather, now notice, bring them up with the discipline and instruction that comes from the Lord. The Lord shows us how to do this discipline and instruction that are taught in the home. And it's supposed to come from the Lord's perspective. A lot of time training uh, is simply knowing which end of the child to pat at what time. A pat on the head. Or a pat on the backside, amen. Come on, train them up in the discipline and love of the Lord. Rick Warren said this, and I love this. I want to give him credit for this quote. He said, you want to move your kids through three stages. You want to move them from parent control to self-control to God's control. That's the goal. That's the job description, really. You move them from parent control where you have to tell them what to do all the time to self-control They know what to do on their own to God control where they're asking, Father, what do you want me to do in my life? 
How do you want me to serve you? Amen. That's the goal. Look at Jesus. Luke 2.52, it says, and Jesus increased, notice, four things, in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and men. Now, this is an important verse, not only for parenting, but also for our personal growth. This passage says that you grow and you develop as a person in four ways. Jesus grew in wisdom. That meant he grew intellectually. Jesus grew in stature. That means he had physical development and growth. He grew in favor with God. That's spiritual development. And he grew in favor with man. That's social development. That's relational development. Our job as parents is to try to help our our kids grow in all four of those ways. And for us to grow, frankly, in all four of those ways. So if family is a place of learning, what are some things that we learn in our family, whether it's biological or otherwise? Let me give you a couple of things. You learn what to do, number one, with your feelings. Family is a great place for kids to learn and for parents to learn what to do with a family, with our feelings. In a healthy family, you learn how to identify, own up to, express, and deal with your feelings. Now, you don't have to agree with me on this, but I'm just going to give you my opinion. I'll, I'll tell you when something's Bible and when it's just me. But I don't think that the motto, kids need to be seen and not heard, is a wise way to parent your, your children. Amen. They need to learn how to express their feelings in a healthy way. They need to be able to express when they're upset or when they're, when they're bothered in a healthy way. Now, I'm not talking about crossing lines of disrespect. That's another subject altogether. But they need to learn how to deal with their feelings in a constructive environment. Why? Because you don't want them exploding on somebody else. You don't want them being the kid that nobody wants to be around. You don't want them to be the terror at school or the terror in the Sunday school class, right? We learn how to do, deal with our feelings. Here's another thing we learn in the home. We learn how to handle conflict. Amen. Now, where do kids learn how to handle conflict? <laughs> From watching how mom and dad handle conflict. Hallelujah. Y'all ready for me to move on to number three, aren't you? <laughs> Come on. We got to learn. And demonstrate how we deal with differences in a healthy, constructive way. How many of us will admit that your happiness in life, to a large degree, has to do with how you interact with other people? It's true. How you get along with others has a lot to do with the quality of your life. Because hear me, if you can't get along with people, you're going to live a miserable life. Ain't nobody going to want to hang around with you. If you don't know how to deal with people. And learning to get along has a lot to do with how we learn to handle conflict. We also learn in our families, you learn how to handle loss. You don't want your kids to win all the time, right? If they do, they're going to find it devastating when they face inevitable losses as adults in the the real world. I remember with my kids growing up, and now I'm getting to relive some of it with my four-year-old grandson. Man, kids love to win, don't they? I mean, they love to win, and they hate to lose. I remember when we were kind of going through the transitional period about winning and losing. You know, when your kids are real little, I mean, they win all the time, right? I mean, even if they don't win, they win. I remember we were having a a Candyland tournament on family night at my house. I remember how old Lauren and Lindsay were. But we were having a little teaching moment, and we thought it was time to actually let them experience losing. Amen. So, I mean, we were crushing them in Candyland. <laughs> and all of a sudden, 
Lindsay, I think she was maybe three, maybe four, I don't know. All of a sudden, Lindsay had this spirit come over her. She thought she was Jesus in the temple with the money changers. She realized she had just lost Candyland, and she took that game and flipped it off, off the table. Stuff flying everywhere. We're like, no, 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 no. That's not how we lose. Amen. So you got to learn at home how to lose, how to deal with your emotions, how to deal with it. You know, one of our most, uh, our funniest memories in our house had to do, and it, it was me. It was, I don't think I've ever told this in church. It was embarrassing. But I remember one time, uh, you know, I was fixing a cup of coffee, and I've been known to occasionally leave a cabinet door open in the kitchen. Amen. It annoys me. I don't know why I do it, but sometimes I do. And I remember we were all in the kitchen, and I left this cabinet door open, and I was making a cup of coffee or something, and I'm standing right there. And then I turned, and I turned, bam, right into the cabinet. I mean, it hit me right in between the eyes. I mean, I hit that thing hard. And I stepped back for a minute, and I looked over the table. And Lauren and Lindsay are all sitting there all looking. And Robin's there like, ooh. And I was, and it wasn't my best moment in the world. And I was like, oh. And I said, dumb cabinet. Oh, and I slammed that cabinet door closed. And I hit it. And it hit back so hard. And it came right back. Pow! I mean, not to the left side, not to the right side. Right in the same exact spot. And I was like, oh. Y'all ain't lying. It hurt bad. And then I looked over the table again. There's six eyes looking all back at me. Then all of a sudden, Lindsay busts out laughing. And Lauren busts out laughing. And then Robin's laughing. And then I start laughing. I mean, through my tears, amen. And, you know, it was a life lesson that this is not how you handle your emotions in that moment. We still laugh about that, amen. But guess what? That's where you learn. You learn in the family, amen. You learn how to shut a cabinet door in the family. You know what else you learn at home? You learn which values matter most. I'm telling you, if there's ever a lesson we need to be teaching today, it's the lesson of values. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to paint myself in a corner, but I'm working on a sermon right now, and I might preach it next Sunday about the culture wars that we're in right now and the values that we need to start inputting into our families, amen. But tell me, we need to emphasize the values of the home, amen. We learn what's important in life. Hear me, growing up in your family, for right or wrong, good or bad, you learned about the value of money, work, relationships, failure, success. You learned most of your values at home. You had to unlearn some things later on in life. And relearn some things, amen. But that's where it starts because we teach values intentionally or unintentionally in our home with our children. How to tackle problems head on, how to run from them in denial, how to face life, how to flee life. Just remember when you're training your kids, you're not just training your kids. And I'm seeing this now. Stuff I put in my kids now, they're putting in their kids. You train your children for generations, amen. I hear parents, some parents say, some of you are not going to like this, but I feel like I need to say it anyway. I've had parents tell me, well, I'm not going to impose my values on my kids. I'm just going to let them make their own decisions. What? That's your job as a parent, to impose proper values on your children. Can I get a little help in the house? Amen. 
Because hear me, one day they're going to make their own decisions anyway. Don't worry, that day will come when they will make their own choices. But when they're young, you need to impose proper values. It's called teaching. It's part of your God-given responsibility as a parent. What does the Bible say about this? Deuteronomy 6 and verse 5. You hear me mention this scripture almost every time we have a child dedication. You want to know why? Because this is our job as parents. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength. You must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I am giving you today. And now look. Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you're at home and when you're on the road, when you're going to bed, and when you are getting up. That being translated is all the time. (laughs) Amen. All the time. Are they going to get tired of it? Yes. Are they going to resent it sometimes? Yes. Are they not going to do it sometimes? Yes. But we still teach it anyway. So what's being taught in your house? What are you intentionally or unintentionally teaching about money, relationships, priorities, work? What else do we learn at home? You learn good habits in your family. Amen. Habits determine your character. Families should help each other grow so that everyone's character is more like Christ. Amen. Number one, family ought to be a shelter from storms. Number two, We make it a place to learn life. And number three, because our families matter, family needs to be a place to enjoy life. Come on, can all the happy people say amen? All the sanguines are like, woo, he's on my point now. Family ought to be a place to laugh, have fun. It ain't always going to be cotton candy and ice cream, but family ought to be a place where you can laugh and enjoy life. God meant for family to be a place where you can let down, kick back, and enjoy life. Ecclesiastes 99, I love this verse from the NLT. It says, live happily with the woman you love, and I love this part, through all the meaningless days of life. (laughs) How many of you know there's a lot of meaningless days, amen? It says that God has given you under the sun. The wife God gives you is your reward for all your earthly toil. Live happily through all the meaningless days of life. I love that. Amen. A lot of homes that I need, I've been in, you need to relax a little bit. You need to take a deep breath. You need to realize it's not all serious all the time. Come on. Some homes, man, all they focus on is chores and homework and discipline and schoolwork. They've forgotten how to have fun. Dad's a drill sergeant. Mom's the chore police. Come on, man. Let's relax. There's time for that, right? But home needs to have fun. I can tell, man, I can spend the rest of the sermon telling funny stories from our family. I know Rodney and Davina can tell some stories. I I just share a couple of them. We used to have something called the Walmart walk. I'm not going to demonstrate. We used to turn trips to Walmart into occasions for me to embarrass my girls. As soon as I got to the door, something kicked into my hips. Amen. And, the re- and you know what? They loved it and they hated it at the same time. They loved to hate it. And they hated to love it. Amen. The Walmart walk. We used to go to Waffle House when the girls were little because where else can you get dinner and a show for a family of four for $25? <laughs> Amen. I mean, there's no lack of entertainment at your local Waffle House. Amen. <laughs> 
I remember one time we went to Waffle House and we sat down and we were getting all excited, ready to watch the show. And the lady comes over. She was a little rough and tumble. She was like, oh, by the way, we ain't got no waffle mix today. I said, what? 50% of your name is Waffle House. We ain't got no waffle mix today. So guess what? We walked right on over to International House of Pancakes right across the street. How many IHOP people are in the house? Amen. I hear you. I'm a Cracker Barrel guy myself, but that's all right. Amen. Make some memories. Yeah, now y'all thinking about food. Y'all just want me to hurry up so you can go to Cracker Barrel and make you a memory. Amen. We bought season passes when our kids were little because King's Dominion is only 20 minutes away, amen? And we would slide up there sometimes just for an hour or two and then come back home. By the way, we buy season passes again now because I got grandkids and they love to go up and have some fun. Just have fun with your kids. I got a question for you. Do you enjoy your kids or do you just endure your kids? I'm going to make it easy on you. The answer is yes. <laughs> Come on, tell the truth and shame the devil, amen. Sometimes it's both, right? You enjoy them and sometimes you endure them, amen. And one day you're going to be on the other side. That's all right. Make family fun. Psalm 127 says this, children are a gift from God. They are his reward. And I've been reading that scripture all my life. This week for the first time, you know what I immediately stopped and thought? What do you do with a reward? You enjoy it. A reward is something that feels like it's extra. It feels like it's special. It's something that, that uh, it's like, man, this is, not, this is not part of my regular 40-hour check. Amen. This is something special. This is, an, uh, this is a reward. This is the bonus material. This is something I'm only going to have for a little while, and it's going to be gone. And tell, let me just tell you, they told me this 30 years ago. You never believe it when you're in your 20s and 30s. But one day you're going to wake up and you're in your 50s. And they're going to be married and they're going to be gone and they're going to have kids of their own. And you're going to be hallelujah. <laughs> Woo! That's a good season. Amen. But enjoy it while you can. Enjoy your family. Last point, praise team, come on back up. If your family matters, and this might be the most important point of all, give them a Christian home. Give them a Christian home. The greatest gift you can give your kid, the greatest gift you can give your wife or your husband is not a will, it's not a living trust, it's not your favorite shotgun or your pickup truck when you die. Come on, it's not a bunch of money. The greatest gift you can give your children is being a godly parent and raising them in a Christian home with a Christian worldview. Amen. Develop a high degree of Christian commitment in your house. A spiritually strong family looks at Christianity, hear me, as a personal, practical, daily experience, not just a theoretical or a theological approach. It's not just something I check the box on Sunday. It's not just something that we identify as we are Christians. But in a Christian home, you teach Christian principles and values like love and kindness and tolerance and unity. Amen?
be committed not only to Jesus, but to his bride, the church. Can I, can I confess something to you that really bugs me? I, it really bugs me when I hear people say they love Jesus, but they don't like the church. It really bugs me, amen? I get it, I understand, right? But you know what? And I'll say this, if the church has ever hurt you, Please forgive the church. But that wasn't God. That was people. That wasn't God. That was people. And people mess up at church. People mess up at home. People mess up at school. People mess up on the job. Amen. So you can't just love Jesus and say you hate his bride. Because his bride, his church, his body is where you learn so much about Him and His people. That's where you learn to develop your gifts. That's where you learn to do so much in the Scripture you do with the body of Christ. Amen. Aren't you glad that our newest little praise singer right here, look at her. Aren't you glad? Aren't you glad that her family doesn't just love Jesus and hate the church? Because it's going to totally change her life being raised in a Christian home. Amen. If your family is only on the receiving end and never on the giving end, then you're missing out so much. And your family's missing out so much. I want to challenge you this morning. And why don't you stand with me right now? I want to challenge you this morning to make Joshua 24 your goal. As for me and my family, we will serve the Lord. We will serve the Lord. Amen. Because hear me. When you get to the end of your life, and, and, and I can tell you this about my kids. When you get to the end of your life, they're not going to remember my sermons. They're not going to remember my sermons. They're not going to remember how good of a pastor or how bad of a pastor I was. You know what they're going to remember? They're going to remember the home that we built and the life that we lived. They're going to remember if dad was Monday through Saturday what he was on Sunday. They're going to remember that mom and dad didn't have a perfect marriage, but we did the best we could. And we tried to set the best example that we could. They're going to remember the times when I double slammed my head into the cabinet because <laughs> I was acting like a fool. But then they're going to remember us laughing about it. And then me saying, you know what? That was not the right way to handle that. Folks, it's, it's all we've got. It's the legacy that matters. Amen. You can leave them a stack of cash when you die. That's not important. What's important is did you leave them a legacy? Did you leave them a legacy of what a Christian home and what a Christian parent should be? That's what's important. Your family matters. So here's how I'd like to close this service. The worship team's going to begin to sing. And I'd just like to ask you to step out from where you are with your family. And if, by the way, if you say, well, none of this applies to me because I'm single, I don't have a Guess what? The body of Christ is your family. Amen. And everything we said your biological family should be, the church should be. A shelter from storms. A place to learn life. Come on, a place to have some fun, a place to grow as a disciple. You ought to be able to do all that here in the body. But here's what I want you to do. I want you to step out from where you are, and we're going to come down together, and we're just going to pray. We're going to pray, God, I want you to bless my family. 
I want you to help my family to serve you. I want you to help us, God, in the shortcomings in the area. Pastor Rodney mentioned a John Maxwell quote at the end of the service, uh, 9 o'clock service, and I think it fits so good here. John Maxwell said, though none of us can go back and begin again, all of us can start now and make a brand new end. I want you to think about that. You might say, well, man, you know, I, had, I had somebody come to me after the first service and said, man, I wish somebody would have told me this 10 years ago. Somebody said, I wish I would, somebody would have told me this in my 20s. But guess what? You can start right now. You can start right now. Amen. So why don't we lift our hands and let's just ask the Lord to bless our homes right now as the praise team begins to lead us in worship. Amen. And let's pray. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. God, we want you to bless our homes. Bless our families. Bless our children. Help me, God. God, help us to be what you've called us to be. Help us to be good parents and grandparents and moms and uncles, whatever our role is, God. Help us, Jesus. You are glorious. Help us, Jesus. Help us, Jesus. God, our family matters. Help us, Lord. Put them first. Help us to put you first, God.
Be sure to subscribe to this channel so you never miss one of our videos or live streams in the future. Also, take a moment and share this with a friend. Be sure to join us 9 a.m. or 11 a.m. each week live as we celebrate Jesus together here at Life Church. God bless you.